Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I had prepared a word on Sunday, and then Sunday we had some Holy Spirit time instead. And um, <clears throat> so I'm going to talk a little bit about it today. And so I want to talk today about stewarding unity, one of the resources that God has given us. Now, I have a little different take on it, which I usually do, of course. And I got some really cool stuff now that we had to wait a whole week, so it's kind of cool. I, I want to talk about Jesus' example of, of two things. One is that you will never have unity with others until you have unity with the Father. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. I'll give you my punchlines early. Secondly, you can't have unity if you don't have diversity. Otherwise, God would have just made us all the same. Most of us are scared of diversity. And unity and uniformity are not the same. And I'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, you can't have unity focusing on unity. Unity comes from my personal alignment of my heart and my godly intersections of those whose hearts are aligned like mine. That creates the opportunity for unity. And, you know, when, when Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit, what he was saying was that every person on the planet you're not meant to unify with yeah that's a hard lesson it smells like corn chips in here is anybody eating corn chips are you eating okay it's okay i'll just move over here i have the in-sync nose today i'm just kidding you know i'm kidding i thought for a minute it could have been prophetic but it was naturally corn chips no were those left over from wednesday night too sorry what was I saying? <laughs> so everybody, thank you, everybody on the planet we can't unify with. Every ministry doesn't have the same DNA. Every ministry doesn't have the same call. But part of my assignment is to unify with the body with the family, with the ecclesia that I'm called to. Yes. And see, the greatest um, weapon that the enemy has used is he's created wrong appointments that became disappointments, and we then paint a broad brush on people and entities and names of things and to, where it keeps me from wanting to lean in. But he made you to lean in. Isn't it horrible when you want to be a part of something and you think there's something good there, but you just there's something in you that just can't. And then, of course, the enemy says, well, you're not meant to be there. Well, maybe he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, so there's a couple of good goodnesses for you. Let, let's start with, um, let's talk a little bit more about John 1. It's just so good. Now, in John 1, I read it earlier. Um, what is 
in the Greek, that word um, for Jesus is logos. It's the word. Jesus is the living expression. The, the words of the Bible came alive in a person. They became a living expression of what? The heart of God, the Father God. Listen, the end goal for this life is for us to not let anything disqualify us. Listen, I've had a lot of people tell me how disqualified I am. It's, that's, not a, that's not a thing. I've had people disagree with me. I was married to a man who said, I do not want to serve God like you. Goodbye. I went to the lawyer and I said, I'm not divorcing him. I don't believe in divorce. He said, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in divorce because he it takes two to get married, one to get divorced. I was like, right. I have no choice in the matter. Listen, there's going to be all kinds of assignments from the enemy to say no, 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 no. Now, am I? Do I get stuck? I mean, I've had twelve pretty decent opportunities to get stuck in hurt in my sixty low years. I've had these opportunities of promises made from ministries and ministers and people and husbands and friends and ministry partners and on and on and on. But as Joyce Meyer would say, you either get better and you advance or you get bitter and you get stuck. I mean, just ask your own heart that today. Am I bitter? Am I stuck in resentment? Am I like, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. I tried that before. You know, I... I've counseled with lots and lots of people. And one of the things that happens in counseling, especially if it goes long-term, is people say, well, I'm better than I used to be. And see, once that begins to come out of my mouth, I'm already stuck. You know, Jesus is the standard. He's the logos. He's the living. I like in the voice it says this. Let me see if I can find it. It says this, it says that Jesus was the word because the people he was speaking to needed a new way of thinking. Let me help you. You need a new way of thinking. You do. And if you come next Wednesday, you need it then too. If you come next week, you need it. Why? Because my thinking has to be progressive in the supernatural. It's the superior realm. And what's in the way of the superior realm? The natural realm. I become captain obvious of things that are obviously not good, obviously not God, obviously not his plan. And I just speak about it as if it's the future plan of God. Well, yeah, they're just, well, yeah, and then they just, well, yeah, and then that just, and then I did just, and then I did on and on and on and on. I'm stuck. And see, it said that, this is another thing it said, that the logos essentially refers to the act of speaking or bringing thoughts into an expression. That's why the Word of God is living. What makes it grow in its livingness? 
What makes you grow? The speaking of it before it is. See, maturity is about being able to say what I know his heart is in the middle of his heart not being seen. Everybody can see it after the miracle occurred. She practically chopped her toe off the other day. And she, she dropped a peanut butter jar on her toe 12 years ago. And she wanted to go to the emergency room. And I was like, it just needs a Band-Aid. And so now she basically almost chopped the whole end of it off. We're at the same place with another toe. But what happened to her? See, I'm going to be talking about favor and adversity in the next few weeks. What happened to her in the moment of adversity she found favor? And miraculously, a toe that was practically chopped off has reformed itself. Oh, y'all didn't even get a toe. Oh, uh, I got a little golf clap on that one. Let me help. Let me try y'all. A toe that was practically chopped off. They won. Why? Because her words begin to say something that was not in existence. Because she knew from the peanut butter toe. That the chopped off toe had hope. That's the living expression. That's the word coming into living. And whether it's a toe or a marriage or a heart, sorry. Didn't mean to say it that way. It needs someone that's able to breathe on its nothingness with the living expression of the word and make something happen that's not happening right now. And see, when you come to the place where you're like, that disappointment, that hurt, that was my most devastating hurt. I have them. When I say, that just wasn't it. That marriage that promised me all these things. He said all the right things. I'll be there forever. I'll love you forever. You're the most awesome thing ever, ever, all long, forever, ever, ever. And then, bam. That's devastation. But see, I... I had to breathe on my life and say my purpose is not connected to that person. My purpose is connected to the living expression. And I can't quit expressing how I know him. I'm sorry you don't want to know him. I bet he wants to know him today. I'm sorry you don't want to know him. I'm sorry you don't want to be a Christian like me. Whatever that means. 
And so it says that we have to have this act of speaking. It has to, the logos could be translated as voice. I don't know if you're following me at all today, but when I read the word and I give it voice on the earth, it can't be a mixture, honey. (laughs) It can't be a mixture. It can't be a little bit of, well, I hope God is good enough to want to help that person. Oh, no, that's a mixture. Oh, well, what if they don't change? No, that's fear. Now, see, the living voice of the one is saying, this is what I want. And then I become a steward of unifying with the one. That's what, look, look over here. Look over here in John 10, 30. Let's turn there. John, you know what he was, the love slave. Sorry, I don't even have it pulled up. John 10, 31. Now, you know, you know how much we love John 10. Cece's life verse originally, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. What is life to the full? I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not even really looking at you. I know it looks like I'm looking at you. John 10, 10 says, John 10, 10 says, the thief has only one thing in mind. Who? The thief. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I came. This is why he was born. This is why we're celebrating a birthday. Is why he came. I came to give you everything in abundance. What isn't in abundance in you today? Find it. Look for it. What's lack? Offer the lack. Come with the lack. Here I am with the lack. Most of it's most of us it's money. I come with my lack and I make an exchange. I say, here's what I have. And I just I give it to him. I put it over there where I can't see it anymore. I'm making an exchange for what I have. See, this is what we want. We want to hold on to what we have. Listen, money, as Cheryl says, every single week, they are living proof. Here's living proof. Here's living proof. Tess and Vinton, living proof. Living proof they had to give first. Listen, Aaron and Cheryl were so busy, they didn't have time for church. But yesterday... They stepped into an encounter with a man from his high school days. Everybody's weeping now because why? The living expression had a voice. 
He's not the same little boy. And so the living expression came alive in him and spoke life, gave it a voice, gave the living, the logos a voice. The logos became a voice and it spoke something to a man he hasn't seen, didn't even remember his name. Because the living expression is alive. Because why? They gave. They gave time. They gave money, they gave resources, and what has happened? Their life is lived in an anointing, 24-7. The living expression lives living expressing in them. That's the goal. It does, you don't need a partner for that. So what Jesus said, jump on down. 1030, the Father is a single standalone voice, uh, verse. The Father and I are one. What was he making the statement about? He, the, next, the next verse said they want to stone him. <laughs> Jesus stands up and says, the Father and I are one. And all the religious people said, let's stone him. A miraculous thing happened a couple of verses down. He, di- he completely disappeared. We don't know. He was translated from that place where he was fixing to be stoned. See, Jesus, <clears throat> listen, Jesus knew his mission. He couldn't stay there and be stoned to death. Just like when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the pain and the grief was so strong before he went to the cross. He begged the Father Don't let me die before my time on the cross. Jesus was protecting his identity. He was protecting the mission for why he was here so much. He even partnered with the Holy Spirit. It says in in that verse up there, he was just poof. He was gone from their midst. We don't know if they were blinded and he just went. But he peaced out. I mean, think about Stephen. He was stoned to death. Why? He protected the voice. He knew his mission. You have got to get a hold of your destiny and grab it with all that you have and don't let anything, no person, no marriage, no job, no past, nothing keep you from your destiny. It's the thing that he supplied to you is the reason, is the why, is why you were born, is why you're on the earth. Jesus demonstrated to them, I have to protect my unity with the Father above all else. I can't be unified with you until I'm unified with him. What does that word mean in the Greek, one? It means one. What does one mean? It means the same. Now, God the Father didn't come down to earth physically right then with Jesus. When was the last time Father God walked in the cool of the day on the earth in the garden? What separated, that was his desire. Do you hear, do you hear the desire of God? 
His original design for humanity was to walk with them. Where were they? Where were where was humanity? They were on earth. The Father came and walked with them in the cool of the day. That's the design of the designer. Think about how far we've gotten away. And how did it get away? Because somebody walked in. My God, my garden spot. When did the enemy walk into your garden spot with God? Maybe you never had one. See, that's what happens when we don't raise our, the generations. See, the great thing about generations is you can't go back and do nothing, but you can change what goes forward. Maybe you, sorry, hot. Maybe you don't have, maybe you don't have something from your past that points to your garden spot with God. Maybe no one told you that, but you do have one. Have you seen those guys where they go to those houses that are overgrown and they just mow it for free just because they love yard work? I don't understand that. (laughs) It's amazing what a little trimming will do. And honestly, that's sometimes that's all we need. Our garden's gotten all covered up with lies. Some of you right now are triggered already by what I've said, and you're you're all captivated right now in another story than the one I'm telling right now. Because why? The enemy has come to steal the seed of this word today. He's come to, to remind you of where you're not. But see, that's not the living expression. The living expression came to walk and talk and commune with you. The living expression came to be something in you that then you're a voice out here. And see, that's why Jesus was saying to us, to them, the Father and I are one. They're unified. How do you get unified with the Father? Anybody know? Anybody feel like they're unified with the Father? How do you get there? How do you get unified with the Father? Do y'all know? What? Uh huh. Cheryl's a win, win, winner, chicken dinner. You die. What are you willing to let go of? See, we should raise our children to say, let go of everything. Until you're unified with the Father. See, when I let the Father add, He said this, I'll add to your life and I'll add no extra toil, no extra sorrow, King James, no extra toil, no extra working it out. Because when what He adds, He knows I can steward. Because since He's a Father and since He's a provider, he, I have to manage what he gives me. Yeah. Have you ever seen somebody win the lottery that's po? Uh, <laughs> They're broke. No. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Why? They have no managerial skills. 
when you get your paycheck, are you po? Because see, you have to give to God first. If you're not giving to God first, it's not my rule. Don't be mad at me. See, I am I'm judged by how well I steward what you give. I can't I can't keep this afloat. You can't you don't get to choose, especially if you're leaders in this house. You don't get to choose whether you give or not. You go to work to get money to give to keep the thing going that you're serving. That's just the reality of how church is supposed to work. No needs among them. You don't even go to work for rent or house payment. He said he would provide those. So if you po, all you got to go look at is check your record for 2023. Remember we signed that little piece of paper? And see, did I do that? Or did I say, well, not this month. This month I need to buy me some Starbucks. This month somebody's having a birthday. I know God would want me to give to them. Listen, let me step on your toes a little bit. You're not going to walk in abundance. You're not going to walk in the more if you don't give God the very first thing. I'm talking about gross. Let me help you. Get on up there. Let's quit penny-pinching God. Why are we even doing that? He's God. He gave it all to you anyway. He gave you the ability to breathe and work. And, And trust me, if you're not doing that, the thing that you're trying to keep alive will die. You will lose it. You'll lose your business. You'll lose your marriage. You'll lose your relationships. Because the reality is, this is the system of God. And if you're going to be unified with the Father, which you can't do nothing else good in life, and if you're not, then that's what comes first. How well do you give out of what He's provided for you? Listen, you can sit down with Breezy. Just ask her to give you her story. They were on food stamps. Their kids don't even know it. They thought they were rich. That's how good Breezy is. Her children thought they were rich. And they were poe. See, at the end of the day, whenever the Father puts purpose into humanity... Humanity is meant to expand the purpose of the Father, not the purpose of humanity. And listen, we have got to check ourselves because God is pouring out His Spirit right now. And if we don't stir our hearts well, we don't stir our finances well. We don't stir our relationships well. We don't stir our attendance well. We don't stir. It's, it's no different than if you had a job and you're like, well, I don't know if I want to go today. What are they going to say after a while? It's been, they're not, they're not even going to care. They're going to be like, peace out. They don't even have to give you a two-week notice. I know some of y'all don't know that, but if you get fired, they don't need to give you a notice. <laughs> It's just the church where we don't do that. The church is like, well, I'm here. What are you going to give me today? I'll see if I agree with it or not. I'll see if I want to come back. I'll see if I fit here. But the Holy Spirit is like, listen, the goal is Acts 2 and 4. What happened in Acts 2? They were gathered in the upper room. How long? It took them 10 days to unify. Didn't it? 
It says, when they were gathered there, they became one. It's the same word. I and the Father are one. Since he and I are one, I want to become one with people who are one with the Father. I can't be one with you if you're not one with the Father, if I'm one with the Father. We're already not birds of a feather that flock together. It doesn't matter if we call ourselves Christian. If I'm not in unity with the Father, I can't be in unity with other people who are not in unity with the Father. That's why we are unequally yoked. I didn't make that up. And so the benefits of being one with the Father are that I am then a candidate to be one with other people who are one with the Father. And that's the people that transform the world. In Acts 4, the reason why it said they had no needs among them, remember, people came into that church, that arena. Listen, that place was an industrial place in that time. All kind of foreign stuff was going on. When they said that they were speaking in these foreign languages, it was a sound they heard. It wasn't just people speaking in foreign languages. It said the, the things, the sounds that were coming out, the things that they heard were words that gave adoration to God from people that didn't know that language. So that's the transformation power of unity. Listen, it's hard to get people to unify, and the reason why is because we're not unified with the Father. <laughs> when we're unified with the Father, it's easy. You know, I sat down with Shidi and Cece and Aaron yesterday. Sorry. And it's easy to unify with them. Even when we're changing something. Because why? What's the goal? The goal of our hearts are to release a sound that comes from the throne. That's our goal. So I've trained them to hear when it's not that. Right? (laughs) So when it's not that, then we say, that's not it. No one gets their feelings hurt. We don't have time for that. No one's offended at me or one of them for saying, I don't feel good about this. This doesn't sound right. No one's offended. Why? Because it doesn't meet up with the unified goal. In that session, that songwriting session, that's the unified goal. And see, our conversations, it leads our conversations into all kinds of arenas. That's what unity does. I'm not joking. Who who gets to sing the solo part today? Who gets to put their name on this song today? Who gets to who gets to know did it please the Father? That's it. That's it. That's how you get rid of division. <laughs> Listen, the greatest enemy of your life, of church, of work, of whatever, is division. 
when you don't agree. But guess what? Diversity can agree. Can unify. That's why, you know, when he said for man and woman to become one, it wasn't one just in their personal selves. It was the same thing I'm talking about right here. It's unto a different goal. If I got married to make you meet my needs, I will be disappointed. I will be sad. And if I let it go too far, I will get divorced. Because it's not the goal of marriage. God never even said that. And see, the, un- the reason why unity is so hard to, s- to steward is because we have a way. My way is strong. My way is strong in me, young Padawan. <laughs> Depending on how big your soul has been in charge. Listen, where is your soul in charge? What time you get up? Whether you spend time with God or not? Whether you're just too tired, whether you are inconvenienced. It's all those ways. That's where the training of the soul is. Let's look really quick at, um, let me think where I was going to read this. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5 says this in verse 11. The title of this little section is Moving On Into Full Maturity. Anybody want to be mature? Why? Why? Why be mature? You'll you'll be able to do this life immature because there'll be a bunch of people come and clean up after you and you don't even know it. Remember what they said? Who was that? That movie, Walk the Line, with what was his name? Johnny Cash. Remember? He said, June, June, June. Everything just works out, June. And And she said, she said, Johnny. Nothing works out. People are working it out behind the scenes and you don't even know it. That's the way of the mature versus the immature. People are, people are cleaning up your mess. Let me look at all the immature people. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. People are cleaning up messes after you all the time. Apologizing for you, explaining you, trying to tell people how you, why you said it, what you might have been thinking. That's my whole world. I spend 90% of my life doing that. Helping other people understand other people, what they could have been thinking, what they could have been meaning. Why? Because we're divided. We don't have any goals. We don't know our goals together. First thing I tell people when they start dating is what is God's purpose for your marriage? I have yet anyone to do it. Why? Because my goal is just, I'm going to, we're going to hold hands. That's what we're, that's my goal. That's my goal. And then we're going to put our arms around each other. Oh, and then we might kiss a little bit. That's my goal. It is. That's immature. How many have been married for five minutes? You're not thinking about that anymore. Go sit down with somebody who's been married for five minutes. And ask them if they're still thinking about the same things they were when they first met. Charlie, it's not happening. Trying to eat. This is what it says. I like Paul. We have so much to say about this topic. This is what he said. I can feel him. 
Although it's really difficult to explain. That's what that's how he starts out this section. Verse 11. Because you've become too dull and sluggish to understand. What makes us dull and sluggish? I was talking to Cece, can't throw you in the best little bit. I was talking to Cece yesterday, and she's not been feeling good. And so, you know, we all know Cece is an intellectual. So trying to move an intellectual into childlike living, that's like a big cruise ship you're pushing with a tiny little Lego boat. <laughs> and so she said whenever she read the small group text, she said, something in my soul said, I don't want to do that. Why? Because she hadn't been feeling good. Right. See, that's right there. That's the place of either the mature or the immature. Yeah. What do you think she did? She didn't feel like it. What did she do? She didn't feel like it. What did she do? She didn't feel like it. She still did it. She pressed in, and what happened? She wrote this amazing word that I'm not letting her reveal today, but because it's part of the word of the year. She, that's what happened. See, do you understand? It's not going to be some big thing where, you know, somebody from Hollywood's going to come and say, okay, now here's it is your day to make a major motion picture film, and are you ready? It's whether you can answer a small group question. Or is your soul so big that it's like, no. No. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. So, so right there, dull, dull and sluggish. There's, there's where the sluggish part comes in. Trust me, I've been mentoring. <laughs> I've met some sluggish people. Let me just say, you know what makes us sluggish? For the extrovert, it's like, I don't know if this is really going to matter. I don't know if I want to do it or not because I don't even know if this is going to matter. The introvert's completely different. What are the introverts saying? It's just too much work, yeah. right? See, we are, we're result-minded. So we're so result-minded that we won't even do the process. See, the yielding of doing the process actually does something in me. It pulls something out of me. The process of yielding, the process of yielding, the process of yielding. He said, for you should already be professors, instructing others by now. But instead, you need to be taught from the beginning, the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk, not yet ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. What does that word pierce mean? I said it earlier. Inexperienced. See, I have experience. That's what I have on y'all. I've never walked away from God. I've got up every day of my life for 60 years and talked with Him. I have experience. So when I tell you, you got to give Him the first fruits of everything of your life. It's because I know. You're not going to walk in your anointing. You're not going to walk in unity with God and others until you learn to give the first fruits of your life. You're not going to gain. Listen, 
You can know this truth and not do it for another 10 years. But you won't gain, you'll stay, you'll be right here, not being pierced until you learn this discipline. You can make all excuses in the world you want. And people around you will be flying by. You'll be seeing people do all kinds of amazing things in the spirit. And you'll be like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Why not me? Because of this right here. It says, but solid food. What's solid food? The word. What I'm telling you today. See, if I tell you that you have to give first and you resist that, you're resisting solid food. Solid food is for the mature. Whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. That tells me if I'm immature, I am not perceiving heavenly matters. Even if I think I am. I'm putting the Holy Spirit and God's voice on something that was never Him. Let me help you. If you're super lazy, there's not going to be a pill. There's not going to be an app on your phone or your Palm Pilot or one of those brand new 2024 calendars with all the beautiful pictures that will help you become unlazy. Laziness is a choice of will because I don't know my purpose. I can't cast it out of you. I can't pray it out of you. I, I can't coach it out of you. See, until I realize that I am on this planet for a destiny, I'm first honored to walk with Him every day. That's His desire. That's why He made me. I want to walk with Him every day. I want to walk and know Him and know His ways. And if I don't have time for Him, if I'm busy putting food on the table, if I'm busy sleeping, if I'm busy being mad at somebody, I don't know Him. And so I don't have fruit in keeping with knowing Him. He says, and they have been adequately trained by what they experience. What does that tell you? It tells you maturity comes through experience. If I'm, if I'm hiding back, listen, I'm trying to do the same thing for the art community here that I've done for the worship community. Everybody's starting out the same way. Same thing. Me and she used to have these conversations all the time. She can't do it. She's not good enough. She used to tell me, get another piano player. How many are glad that I didn't go out and get another piano player? That was her desire out of her smallness. See, I held on to the vision of her while I held on to her until she could hold on to the vision herself. Who would you do that for? I held on to the vision for that girl right there because she couldn't see. He couldn't see her until she could see it. If you just said in Friday night, a couple weeks ago she preached, it's fire. I'm scared. (laughs) They've experienced, are you coming? They've experienced, this is, let me read it. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference 
between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. See, that's the thing. In our tagline for our business, it's expressions of excellence. Why? Because the goal is to be mature. See, it's a hidden version. Excellence means I've learned to mature. And listen, I'm not going to get mature by someone laying hands on me. I grow in maturity through experience. And if I don't position myself to experience things I do not know. Listen, maybe you've done sozos and maybe you've done counseling and maybe you've got a job that does this and does that. But trust me, you have never done prophetic sozo counseling like we do here. In that moment, God meets up with your humanity. And the challenge becomes to what? To mature. Why would we do anything else? Why would we want to train people to have this voice, this living expression flow from their lips when they're immature? Because we will prophesy our soul. We will look at somebody and we'll be Captain Obvious and we'll call it prophecy and we'll wonder why it has no fruit. The reason why it has no fruit is because I haven't been in keeping with what the Father's doing because I'm not unified with Him. And so even though we are diverse, even though we are different, we all first have the choice to unify with Him. And when we do, unifying with each other is easy. Come on, Cece. Wow, what a good message. Wow, 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 wow. So good. So good. I can't wait to listen back to it. So good to be back with all of you and be here in person to hear that goodness, that delicious message. Oh, I miss being here so much. What an incredible vision. You know, I love that God's way is actually so much simpler than our own. And it's for this one reason. If you think about it, it's because everything happens by listening to his voice. That's how we mature. That's how we unify. That's how we do our destiny. That's how we get healing. I mean, literally everything comes through his voice. And so, um, you know, I love that, that concept that it was 10 days that they were in the upper room to unify. They weren't, it doesn't say that they were up there debating amongst themselves about their theology or whether they did the right thing or the wrong thing. They weren't up there discussing their opinions and their thoughts. They were praying. They were praying. They were talking with God. That's how they unified in 10 days. And that that is a so such a contrast to what a lot of us do and a lot of what's normal in our culture, I think. So listening to his voice, the logos, his voice is what changes everything. So why don't we do it? Why don't we just listen to his voice? I think it's because we have a low value for his voice. We are raised in a culture, I mean, this whole world, it's, you know, don't take personal faults with this. It's the culture we live in. It's the nature of a, a fallen nature. The sin nature of humanity has exalted all of this other stuff over God's voice. And then there's this little part of the population that says, I like to hear his voice, but I'm only going to do it when I think about it. And I'm only going to do it maybe 10% of the time or 20% of the time. I'll put my bumper sticker on my car and I'm going to say that I love the voice of God. But I'm still valuing all of these other things. 
But I'm hearing him today say that once again, if we could increase our and exalt the value of hearing his voice, then we would do so much better. We would go so much further. The actual desires of our hearts would be fulfilled just by doing this one thing, by exalting the fact that you can hear him. Do you remember just a few months ago, we had that after our October, we had that incredible um, outpouring of his spirit at the beginning of October. And there was this song that came out of that that was, I can hear you. I can hear you. That was a song that we, I'm just now realizing that, that we sang prophetically here saying, I can hear you. I can hear you to say that with, with conviction to say, oh my gosh. I can hear you. Remember, it was eyes not seen, ears not heard about the glory outpouring that's coming to earth, which was prophesied over, over 2,000 years ago. It was prophesied that he would pour out his spirit. And, and we were prophetically realizing we get to hear it. We get to hear the outpouring. We get to feel it, touch it, taste it, smell it. We get to be immersed in it, to be tangibly changed by it. I can hear you. That is exalting the value of his voice. And that's what I felt when we were in worship and I, and I sang out that, that part about God with me, Emmanuel, God with me is a miracle. And if we could say that and remember that and wake up every day and recognize that it is a miracle, it is a miracle that God is with me despite my past, despite all my flaws, despite all my brokenness, despite my shortcomings, despite how immature I am, despite how many times I have ignored his voice over and over and over again. It is a miracle that God's voice is with me. God with me is a miracle. You know, I was thinking that the whole story of the Bible is filled with reasons why we should recognize that this is a miracle, that God is with us. If you think about it, just the fact that, you know, it says in the scripture that, that the plan, God, the Father, and Jesus already knew the plan. The world was, const- was before um, he created the world, he already knew that he would come and be a sacrifice for us. This was a plan ahead of time. So do you have to think about this? There was a moment in time where they said, we'll take this thought of our plan and we'll release our voice with it. That's a miracle. That is a gushing forth towards humanity of God's plan, of God's heart that was chosen in a moment to be released in a an audible voice that created the very world we live in. It created our bodies. It created our ability to be on this, have a life. That was a choice that was made. That was a miracle that God just had the thought of creating this. And then he said, let's give it voice. Let's give it voice. And it's, of course, not just a voice, but it was the living expression. And then he created that and he created the Garden of Eden and he walked with mankind. Day to day, they talked. Daily, they talked. Spent the whole day just talking. If you're, you know, you're fun talking with your best friend, you could just talk for hours and hours and hours. You got to do that with God personally. That was his design. But then humanity messed that up. And we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we chose in that moment to say, I would rather personally know in my intellect what you're telling me. I'd rather judge for myself. I'd rather be the judge of good and evil myself than hear you speaking to me directly. And that was the fall of mankind. That was the fall right there. How many times do we repeat that fall in our day-to-day life? We just do it again. We say, I'd rather Google it. I'd rather 
use my own intellect to figure out a way out of this problem than talking to you, than hearing the voice that is a miracle in my life. We just repeat that. And so then, of course, sin, the sin nature became, and we're all born out of that place. But then, you know, just this, these are just a few of the stories in the Bible, okay? It's filled with them. But then you, you go ahead, years ahead, the Israelites, the people, the chosen people of God are captive in, in Egypt, and God says and comes and supernaturally rescues them from slavery. Supernaturally, every single day, miracles on display, the cloud by day, the fire by night, all the miracles that finally scared the Pharaoh enough to let them go, right? Then he fed them every day with miraculous food. They literally knew where to go because there was a cloud and a fire leading them. They were covered by it. They always knew he was there. He was on full display in a supernatural way. And then he had supernatural water provided. He had supernatural manna provided that nourished their bodies better than the food they had eaten. Supernatural miracles. What would you be like if you had miracles, supernatural miracles, what we call today, on display every morning when you woke up. Every morning, if that two toe grew back, every morning, if whatever injury you had the day before, if it grew back, what would you, we would be on our faces saying, he is doing miracles all throughout my day. That's what they had. And instead, they rejected God again. They rejected him again and said, no, we'll just send, send our man to talk to you. You tell him and then he'll tell us because we're a little intimidated by you. And, you know, we're going to form this calf out of gold because we'd rather, we're more comfortable worshiping this idol from where we came from. How many times do we do that in our daily lives? How many times do we go to a friend who's maybe a great person, but they're not the voice of God? We've made an idol out of that person. We've made an idol out of that self-help book or whatever it is we do. We do that again and again nowadays. It's a miracle that God's voice is still speaking to us. When we have, we have rejected him over and over and over again, it's a miracle that we should not take lightly. And so God was, gonna, was going to say, forget it. I'm leaving you. You guys go on your own. And Moses, a, a man with a stutter, who didn't even feel confident about anything, said, God, don't do it. Please stay with us. Please stay with us. And God listened to that man. God listened to him. And he said, okay, I'll keep going with you. I will keep leading you. Another miracle. Continue to provide. Continue to defeat enemy after enemy. Everybody on inhabiting their promised land. Miracle after miracle after miracle is in the Bible, right? And still, we rejected him. Jump ahead to, the, to Jesus' actual time on the earth. Was anybody honoring the miracles that had occurred at that point? No one was honoring the miracles. The Pharisees had become exalted. They had developed all these additional rules. They'd rejected God, rejected his voice over and over and over again. And God said, you know what? Now's the time for you to go and be born to a virgin in a manger. Now's the time for you to show up in, hum in human flesh and live for 33 years knowing full well that every part of you is going to be stripped and sacrificed and suffer. Everything you've known, every relationship you had is going to have pain in it because you are here for this purpose to, to be a sacrifice, to bring my people back to me. Jesus wasn't the first miracle he was the ultimate miracle. He wasn't the first miracle. And Jesus wasn't the last miracle. 
The fact that every single person has the opportunity on this earth to receive what he did that day, to receive what he did on the cross, to receive the supernatural restoration and resurrection is a miracle. It's a miracle that God is with us. It is a miracle. The Bible is filled with stories of how miraculous it is that God is still with us. He's still speaking to us. He gives us dreams. He gives us prophetic words. He puts people in our lives like Tisa who have had to overcome adversity over and over and over again. And all the other people here, that's a miracle. It's a miracle that Tisa was able to overcome those things. It's a miracle. She didn't do that out of her own strength. She did it by listening to the voice and receiving in her moment of lack, receiving his supernatural ability, receiving and operating out of his grace. It's a miracle that we are all here hearing about God. It's a miracle that we're in a nation that is says you can do this as much as you want. It's a miracle that we have that living expression, that first word of God in like 500 different translations at the tip of our fingers for free. You don't even have to spend any money on it to get the word of God in front of your face. That's a miracle. It is a miracle that we have access to the voice of God. And we could go on and on and on and come up with more examples of why it's a miracle, but let it be no small thing. Emmanuel, God with us is a miracle and it's personal. It's personal. I hope that you sang those words in worship from a personal place. And if you didn't, I pray that you listen to that message or just remember it because it's not a hard line to remember. God with me is a miracle. Sing that around your house. Wake up singing it. Go to bed thinking about it. It will increase your value for the voice of God, and that will turn you to his voice as you go through your day-to-day life. It is a miracle. It is a miracle. It is a miracle. I love singing about the miracles. I love talking about the miracles. I love that line in one of our songs that I can't remember how it goes exactly, but something about people may call me strange, but I'm a miracle. You've made a miracle out of me. I may look really weird to you. I may look completely different than I used to. You may call it strange, but God made a miracle out of me because he connected me with the voice of God. And I am running with all I can to just stay on that road with him and more. I want more. I want more. I want more of that experience. It's a miracle. So we don't need a toe to grow back miraculously to know that it's a miracle. We don't need to pray for someone and have all their back pain completely disappear in a moment to know that God is working miraculously. God's own voice is a miracle. The fact that he is here and present on this earth with us is a miracle. So let's treat it and consider it accordingly. Let's give it the value that it deserves. We don't need to listen to testimonies about miracles because the fact that our bodies heal at all is a miracle. The fact that so many things are a miracle. Let's exalt the miraculous. Don't let complacency and that dullness that she read in that, that scripture overtake you and rob you of the miracle. That complacency robs you of the awareness of the miraculous life that you are living. That's what dullness does. It robs you of the shiny gold that is right before your face and that is growing within you, that is on display from your face. It robs you of that. Let's exalt the miraculous voice of God. Let's exalt the miraculous voice of God in every decision when you're deciding what to eat, when you're deciding when to go to sleep. Just exalt it every chance you get. 
So, Papa, we just say thank you today for your miraculous presence in our lives. We say it is a miracle that you are with us, and we say it is no small thing, and we will exalt it even more than we have before. We just ask for your forgiveness today for all the times that we ignored your voice, that we said, I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like finding out what miracle you did for me already that is manifesting in my life. Forgive us for the times that we downplayed that. Forgive us for the times that we We listen to the enemy describe our present circumstances instead of you. Forgive us for all of the times that we exalted something else over your voice. We come with a repentant heart today with no condemnation, but with powerful, powerful conviction for the miraculous life that you've given us access to, Jesus. So we say yes to you today and we turn today. That's all repentance is, is turning our attention to the logos, to the living expression of God, the voice of God poured out over the earth that is still reverberating today. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are constantly searching the heart of God for what we have been blinded to in our complacency, in dullness. Thank you that you speak it, you whisper it, you sing it, you make a friend tell us about it, you put it on a TV show, a billboard, a song, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you are adamant about it. You have become our high priest, fully devoted to teaching us the things of God. Thank you. Thank you for the experiences that you are making available to us every day. Every day. So we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We exalt you above every other thing. It's that simple. We exalt you above every other thing. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. And we'll demonstrate it, not just in church, not just within these four walls, but actually in our choices. We'll demonstrate it with which voice we listen to in the days ahead. So I bless this message today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you seal it up, that you make it personal, that you reinforce it in every way that that you can and that you know to do. Thank you that your word does not return void. Your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the task that it was released for. So we thank you. We stand on that promise today. And it's in your mighty, mighty name, Jesus, Emmanuel, mighty, mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. 